0: Father God, I pray that you would bless the reading, and especially the preaching of your word, that unless the Lord does build the house, we labor in vain. So we humbly rely on you and your word, to, that we might see you in your word, that we might delight in you, that we might see the, the loveliness of Christ. So Father, I pray that in this next 30 or 45 minutes, That your Holy Spirit would be actively working in all of our hearts, that we might see you a little more clearly, long for you, and love you, and hold you more nearly. Help us to this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 24, um, last week we had gone through verse 9, and just as as, um, way of reminder, we see that uh, Abraham, uh, believes in God's promises. We see Abraham, an old man, seeking to uh, provide a wife for his son, and he believes in God's promises, and, and he has not been given all these abundant exterior blessings that we might have expected. He was promised the land, um, but he only, he only was able to get a gravesite for his wife. But he believes and trusts in God and his faith. You see here, almost like a baton being passed in verses 1 through 9, you see Abraham encouraging his servant to trust the Lord. You see that Abraham doesn't need a plan B. If God gives a plan A, then we don't need a plan B. God has given his people many clear things. He's given us Corporate worship, the preaching of the Word, the administration of sacraments, fellowship and prayer as ordinary means. We, we don't need these, these, you know, all these worldly ideas. It can be tempting to, to depart from God's plan A. But faith, when God's Word is clear, particularly, faith means that we, we need no plan B. Our trust is in the Lord. And this story, I want you to see in it the, the, the passing of that faith, kind of to this servant, this servant that has some doubts. He wants to know some what-ifs. And, and just to kind of prepare us for the reading a, a little bit more, the, the Bible is different than other books in many ways. If you read C.S. Lewis, if you read the Chronicles of Narnia, it, it's, it's normal to talk about what you learn about Aslan and what you learn about uh, Edmund and Lucy and Peter and Susan. But often you don't read a book and think about, oh man, C.S. Lewis is just brilliant here. C.S. Lewis understands the character of God. He, that, that often we, we read a book and we interact with the characters that the author puts before us. But God's Word, the main character, is always Himself. Himself. And God chooses to take 67 verses to to talk about this kind of passing of faith, this God's provision. Um, And I want us to, to really think about God's care and His providence and the fact that if Moses spent this long telling us this story, it's not because Moses was really excited about this necessarily, but that God cared about this beautiful story. Um, And so, I want us to see the author behind the text, God Himself, and His character and nature in this text. we'll, We'll pick up in verse 10, Genesis 24, 10 and following. "'Then the servant took ten of the master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening.' have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown chesed, or steadfast love, to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom, had no, whom, whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, "'Please give me a little water to drink from your jar.' And she said, "'Drink, my lord.' And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, "'I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking.' So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. She drew for all his camels." The man gazed at her in silence and to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his chesed or steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out. "'Toward the man to the spring. "'As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms "'and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, "'thus the man spoke to me. "'He went to the man, "'and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring, "'and he said, "'Come in, O blessed of the Lord. "'Why do you stand outside? "'For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels.' "'So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels "'and gave straw and fodder to the camels.' "'And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. "'Then food was set before him to eat, but he said, "'I will not eat until I have said what I have, what I have to say.' "'And he said, "'Speak on.' "'So he said, "'I am Abraham's servant. "'The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. "'He has given his flocks and herds silver and gold.' male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house, to my clan, and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son, from my clan, and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. If they will not give her to you, you'll be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, If now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for his master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, "'Drink, I will give your camel's drink also, so I drank.' And she gave the camel's drink also, and then I asked her, "'Whose daughter are you?' And she said, "'The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him.' So I put the ring on her nose and bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son." Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, if not tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, This thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servants heard these words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me. The Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. They called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servants and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gates, the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer el and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. He lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming." And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah his mother and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Beloved, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God. You know, it's interesting as uh, marriage in the Bible is a sometimes a fraught topic. Um, it's easy for the world to look at the Bible and they go, oh, biblical marriages, and they go, well, polygamy is biblical because it's described in the Bible. It's a, It's a um, plain-as-day fallacy, but it still gets launched at Christianity, you know. Try to make an argument against polygamy, and it's like, actually, the story of Jacob and his multiple wives is a great case against polygamy. The story of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar is a great case against it. It describes what is happening. But interesting lo- enough, as we have interacted with many marriages in the Bible, um, we, we never see the process that leads to them usually I mean you, you see with with Adam and Eve God creates Eve and brings her to the man and he goes and names everything else and there isn't help or fit for him and so that's the kind of that arranged marriage by God we, we don't learn much about Noah and his wife or really even about Abraham and Sarah in terms of where their relationship comes from so in the story of the scriptures there, there hasn't been a, a story yet that really gets into the weeds of um, you know, how could a history, if it shows things done so poorly with, with Abraham and Sarah, this is, this is how God highlights, you know, a, a marriage beginning in a beautiful way, and, and marriage that is a, a marriage that's coupled with, with faith, faith in a God and His providence— leading and guiding His people. I, I, I just have loved the hymn selection this morning for, for what is the, the topic for the sermon, what is before us, the, God leading us. And we see that the servant, he, he begins on an odd footing. He, he seems to have some doubts. Uh, uh, if you're a note-taker this morning, just as we go through the text, there's primarily three chunks. You see that uh, the... the f- you know frail faith if you will of the servant it's not it's not perfect but he is it's a prayerful faith it is a hopeful faith it is a faith that is still kind of grounded in abraham but he is seeking to follow abraham's lord and god is delighted to provide and then and then the rest of it is just god's provision and providence they they mention god many times but we don't often see him as a as the main character who is guiding His people, His providence. So, we go from, you know, an, a, a, a fraughtful faith to God's abundant providence. Um, and then where the text ends is the comfort of Isaac after his mother's death. So, we go from faith to providence to comfort. You know, it's, <clears throat> it is easier as a pastor to preach texts that have a big, clear sin. Here's the sin. Don't do that. But here's the bad news. We all do that. Um, Jesus saves us from that. Jesus didn't do that. We need to follow Jesus. I mean, it's, it's um, the, the central... You know, we can summarize the gospel. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But sometimes I feel like we distill the Bible down into that kind of track that talks about sin. Um, but, and, and if you lose that and gain all the other things of the Bible, you lose the whole thing. So you can't give up sin. But is it interesting to you that there's almost a whole chapter here that doesn't highlight sin? The, the problem is, you know, he's, he's wifeless, he needs a wife, and he's, he's sad, he needs comfort, his mother has died, Abraham's wife has died. It's just ordinary, faithful living as people come, you, you love them, and then you grow old, and, and you will either die young or bury many of your friends. I mean, that's the story for all of us. And God just gives this this beautiful story of a, of a servant trying to be faithful. I just want us to see the God behind it who, who has chosen to spend multiple pages, 67 verses, showing that the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Even, even when your faith is fraught. Because even a little faith even the size of a mustard seed, the Lord delights to use and to answer. He, okay, um, guys and gals, especially the young that aren't married, th- that doesn't necessarily mean that He's going to provide in this particular way. But I want you to see that even with a fraught faith, a little faith, that faith is still of the Lord, and He will provide, and He will guide us, and He will comfort us. That's, that's the message. Let's, let's go through. But just going back to verse 10, Servant tics, takes ten of his master's camels and departs. He, is, he obeys. He's taken the vow, and now he goes. Um, and he goes a very long way, and he arrives at the gate of a city uh, where there is a spring at the gate, um, but whether because of geography or the, the water level of the spring, he can't just lead the camels to the water source for them to drink out of it. It needs to be brought out. And um, it's brilliant that a servant that cares about his master and he is thinking about how, what sort of woman would be a blessing to my master. You know, it, w- when a young man thinks about what type of wife he wants, that's probably different than when parents think about what type of wife do, does my son need. And the servant, I think, has that more parental thought. And as, as he prays, he doesn't pray for beauty, although the text goes and says she's beautiful. He prays that she would be abundant, essentially, in hospitality. That she would be hardworking. That she would be a helper. Precisely, actually, that quality that God talks about, Eve being a helper to Adam, this servant is going, oh, that she might be an abundant helper. And and the world wants to, the the idea of being a helper, the world wants to repudiate, but the Holy Spirit is called the helper. This is not less than. And he, he wants a woman that is a helper, a hard worker, a hospitable woman. And he stands, and just so you know, um, a camel on empty, I looked this up, um, can drink something like 25 gallons of water. So So 10 camels on empty is 250 gallons. So if you have a feed bucket full of water that is very heavy, you know, and the water's right there, and you're just dumping it. You're going to be doing it a lot. It's going to be exhausting work, and she probably has a clay pot water jar. And, and she doesn't just respond to his mere request. His, his immediate request is, can I have some water? He's parched, and she thinks not just of him, but also of his animals. This, this Rebecca is the helper, what, what Eve was designed to be kind of par excellence in the Bible. you know the um, the, the Bible will highlight Isaac's sin later um, he'll'll he'll, uh, Isaac and Abimelech have a similar interaction that Abraham and Abimelech have kind of pretending that she's just a sister and not a wife. But interestingly, as you outline Genesis, it's you know kind of before. Uh, the the early history, 1 through 11. You have about 12 chapters on Abraham. And then you only have like a chapter and a half on Isaac. And then it's mostly Jacob and then Joseph. I I, I think God wants us to hold Isaac as this, this this beautiful story, leaving it mostly untarnished. And so this, this Rebecca is just shown to be hospitable and loving and help hardworking and, and strong and beautiful. He finishes and, and, and see his faith as he prays. He's, he's, he's giving a very specific thing, God, God, could, could it happen this way that, you know, the first person I ask, could, could that be? He's not quite sure how it's going to work out. Can we pray that way? Absolutely. Should we always be praying that way? Not necessarily. We, we shouldn't be going, you know, God, if I see an eagle today, you know, maybe I should go to this school or that school. Um, that's not necessarily what he's doing. But even with his faith that is grounded in Abraham, you see God delights to just immediately answer. It says, before he finished speaking, in verse 15, before he finished speaking, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, you know, of Abraham's brother. She comes out, she fills the jar. The servant ran up and says, Please give me a little water. She says, Drink, my lord. She lets down her jar quickly. And the text highlights that I mean, I don't know if you've ever been asked for a hand. You know, hey, could, could you help me do X, Y, or Z? And then there's kind of this long pause. Sure. <laughs> He asks, and she quickly lets down her water jar. She gives him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she says, I'll draw water for your camels also, until they have finished drinking, until there is excess water in the trough, which means the camels are full. She quickly empties her jar into the trough and ran. She runs again to the well to draw water. She drew for all the camels. The man gazed at her in silence shock and awe, to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. Camels finish drinking. That probably takes a while. This is probably at at least 30 minutes of very hard work on her part. And the man takes out the ring and the the half-shekel ring and the bracelets for her arm and the nose ring. It's funny, Christian communities... We often get very upset about certain things and then we find them in the Bible and we're like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, Jesus, Jesus' mother Mary probably had a nose ring. Most married Israelite women probably had nose rings. Sometimes the things that upset us. Anyway. But she doesn't just provide for him there. If we go to verse 26, the man bows his head and worshiped the Lord. He has a fraught faith, and he follows, and he prays, and even as he is praying, God in his providence answers, and the response is worship. Now, he will still talk about the Yahweh or the Lord as Abraham's God, because God has a special covenant with Abraham, but this is now his God. He worships, in verse 26. We have plenty, or sorry, verse uh yeah. Um, she adds, we have plenty of straw and fodder, room for the night. And the man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord, and she said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his chesed, his steadfast love, his faithfulness toward my master. This idea of chesed or love, th- th- this is a particular sort of love, that it is a love that keeps covenant. As for the Lord, as for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Is this, do you have a similar story of faith? Do you, not in finding a wife necessarily, but at some point we, we believe and, and belief and trust is not easy. It's not, all like, it's not like all of a sudden. You, a, a, a lot of Christians have doubts and struggles. Faith is not just abundant with all to the same degree. Now, even a little faith is of the Lord. But in, in that faith, have you sought to trust Him, that He has made promises that He will fulfill? And then, and then we have abundant prayer lives. And I would encourage you in your prayer life, have specific prayers have specific prayers. As the elders meet, we have specific prayers for the children, the covenant children attached to this church, young and old, still in nursery all the way to the grown children of the believers here. We have specific prayer requests that we want to be able to announce in time that the Lord is answering. We have specific prayers for this neighborhood that in time we want to be able to saying, see, the Lord has provided I would encourage you in your prayers, do you, do you, do you ever write them down? Do you, are, they, are they specific enough so that when God answers them, you can respond in worship? God is not going to answer every single prayer in the way we might like. But we see here, God delights to answer prayer. He delights the servant. God has answered his prayer. And he sees now, now he has made decisions to come. He, he uh, puts the, oh, my prednisone brain is killing me. Um, he gets the camels. He gets the servants. He loads them up. He goes, he is making all of these decisions. And now in time, though, he has seen God's provision, and now he is looking back at his history and going, the Lord led me. Can that be part of your walk of faith? Can, can, do, you, do you see in God's provision today that you can look back at maybe a difficult decade or a difficult year or a difficult week and go, the Lord led me. He leadeth me. The Lord is my shepherd. So we see this faith that leads to worship, worship in the provision of the Lord. And then, and then we see it play out exactly as Abraham desired. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. We're in verse 29. Laban ran toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the rings and the bracelets on his sister's arms, can you imagine a brother seeing a sister that, you know, she just went out to get water, and now she's got an engagement ring on. We need to talk. You should come over, you know. I can just imagine that being a funny moment. Gals, don't get engaged without talking to your parents. Uh, But... Um, well, she's not totally engaged. He's, he's giving gifts, and the, the brother's confused. And she, she starts explaining, thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring, and he said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels, gave straw and fodder to the camels. There was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him, food was set before him to eat. He said, "I will not eat until I have said what I have to say." And he said, "Speak on." You know, just just as a side note on apologetics, you know. Um, people wanted to say that camels were not domesticated at this point roughly 1900 bc you know and they would they would point it out as oh that's totally wrong totally wrong totally wrong and then they dig up artifacts that clearly show that camels were domesticated and then they don't the the atheists the, the 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 people that don't believe the bible is true they don't go around saying hey i'm so sorry i was totally wrong about what the bible they just go quiet about it and they move on to something else they move the goalposts. so just file that away, file that away. It has happened thousands of times that people accuse the Bible of not being true and then they give it a decade or two and something's dug up and they're like, oh, we were wrong. Pilate Pilate was a real person. The Hittites were a real people. Um, Anyway, so he speaks. He said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds. Notice that when you want to build up your master, when you want to build something up, often you talk about what they have done. This master is, this servant is saying, this is what the Lord has done. Maybe we should think about even talking about the history of our church or the history of our family or the history of a business that we're in. I did this, we did that, this was really effective, and go, The Lord blessed us, the Lord blessed us, the Lord blessed us. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels, donkeys. He is lifting up his master in a way that shows his Lord is great. Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. To him, he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. Remember that this is not ethnic, that this is primarily religious, and the Canaanites are under the particular judgment of God. Too many people for too many years have made that ethnic. It is not ethnic. It is sin. That for, you know, for too long, people wanted their kids, they're happy if they just marry someone that looks like them or is in the same socioeconomic status as them, do they really love the Lord or not Uh. we have more in common with our brothers and sisters in Christ in China and in Africa and in Russia and in uh, South America where where the language is different and the Lord the Lord makes it abundantly clear you don't yoke two different types of animals together and he is not talking about black and white or Hispanic or he is not talking about visible ethnicities the absolute defining characteristic of who is our brother and sister who we are to marry in the covenant community is those who follow the Lord those who love Yahweh that we have far less in common with our white middle class American conservative whatever it is whatever category you would put yourself in you have far less in common with them than you do with some Chinese-Tibetan woman who loves the Lord. For too long, the church has gotten that wrong. And so it's, it's not about the Canaanites as an ethnicity. They are under judgment because of sin. We are not to yoke ourselves in marriage to those who are, we are unequally yoked with. You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. He said, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your ways. One of the ways that God provides for us, you know, the Bible doesn't talk much about angels, and so I, I don't, from the pulpit, I won't talk much about them. But the bible does say that he commands his angels concerning us and i I strongly believe that in the course of our lives many times every time i get cut off in traffic i feel like maybe you know an angel was just pushing me a little bit further back on the interstate to prevent me from a wreck i mean i don't know but god commands his angels concerning us that one of the ways that god watches over us is that these beings this morning in sunday school. Come to Sunday school, please. We're going through Isaiah. The angels that can kill 185,000 a night are also there watching over us. I was talking with some parents last night who they have a young daughter that struggles with anxiety. And and, and this is one of Abraham's comfort is that one of the ways God doesn't just know what's going to happen and then in some mystical way nudge things. He dispatches angels concerning us, angels with the power to strike down a nation in a night. That is a, God's provision is not just this mystical force that nudges things, but He dispatches His angels concerning us. What a comfort if we realized that. We shouldn't become obsessed with angels, but we should be comforted. When the Bible talks about the Lord of hosts, it says that's saying the God of angel armies. That how does he guide his servant in all of these ways? That he sends angels. He can, he can use many, many means, and angels are one of them, and that should be a comfort to us. The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you. We're in verse 40. Prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from the clan and from my father's house. Then, once you've taken the wife, you will be free from my oath. When you come to my clan... If they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. The servant wanted a what-if, and he goes, fine. If God doesn't provide, then you're free from your oath. But the Lord will provide. He's, and then he recounts his story. I came to the spring, and he, and he talks about God's provision. The Lord, the God of my master Abraham, is now prospering the way. Uh, if you are now prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I say, give me a little water from the jar to drink. Who will say to me, drink, and I will draw water for your camel's also. Let her be the woman who the Lord, the Lord has appointed my master's son. Before I'd finished speaking in my heart, there's a, an argument there that we can pray even just in our hearts and in our heads. Behold, Rebecca came out. She went down to the spring. It's, why, why does God have the story told twice? Have you thought about that? it's a lot of words. It's hard for Moses to write. I mean, animal skins and papyrus and reeds dipped in ink, it it is hard. And, you know, Moses has to write this whole story twice. Even as I begin to read it, maybe you think, come on, Pastor Rice, (laughs) you've kind of already gone over this. Why are you doing it twice? One is him experiencing it and learning it and walking by faith. And now he is giving his testimony. That too often, you know, we, we talk about our testimonies, and our testimonies, I think, get too narrowed into how, where was I when I believe I was regenerate or how I was saved. But can you tell stories? When you gather in small groups, do you tell testimonies of God's providence? Do you tell testimonies of how we prayed and the Lord provided? Praise the Lord. In Hebrew, you know, it it talks about how we're to stir one another up to love and good works. Pray specific prayers. Remember and record God's answers and share them with the body of believers. We need those. They encourage us and they encourage our own faith. I don't feel like I ever really knew how to pray particular prayers until... I, I was doing, I was in disaster relief, a disaster relief ministry for a while. And I, I thought they were, um, they would just pray over everything. And, and they'd always want to hold hands while they did it. And they always stood in a circle and we'd pray and hold hands. And God taught me so many things from my, you know, Pentecostal brothers and sisters in Christ that love the Lord. And they might be a bit confused about a number of things but they believe that prayer does things. And I remember we needed generators for some job sites. We needed some Honda generators. And when you're in a disaster relief area, the government has actually made it illegal to like go and buy a whole bunch of them and then drive them in and sell them to make a profit. And because they've made that illegal, no one does that and there's always a shortage of generators. And so we had a shortage of generators. You know, we bring a bunch, but we needed two more. And I was thinking, you know, if I left now, I could get about four hours away. You know, I could get to, I think it was Nashville. I could get to Nashville. There'll be generators there. I'll pick a bunch up. I'll drive back. Let's just go now. And they said, let's pray about it first, you know. And they say, God, could you just bring us generators? Not complex, not long-winded sermons. They prayed for generators. This is a true story. We were at a oneness. No, it wasn't a oneness. It was a United Holiness Pentecostal church, gymnasium, that was hosting us. We gather, we hold hands, we pray, God, just bring us generators. And in my head, I'm going, yeah, but God, I'm, I'm reformed. God uses means. I'm a means. He's provided me. I'll get in the truck. I'll drive four hours. I'll, I, can, I can do this. And they go, why don't we just pray? Within five minutes brings tears to my eyes within five minutes some guy that had his whole house flooded and his garage flooded was like hey i have these two honda generators but um they were under flood water so they're flooded so they don't work but i i thought you could use them and it was almost it was almost funny it's like well we we didn't pray for working generators we just prayed for generators I don't know how to fix a a, a floodwater flooded Honda generator, so we gathered up again and we prayed. God, could you help us get these generators working? Within five minutes, uh, an overweight man with missing a bunch of teeth with the thickest Louisiana accent you could have ever he introduces himself as Captain George. When people come in one of the first things we ask our volunteers this this is with um it was called hope Rains, it's a branch of eight days of hope after the columbia the flooding in columbia when the hurricane was off the coast in i think 2015 maybe 2016. and this and you always ask people what do you do because we want to employ people with what they're good at what they're trained at and he goes well um i rescue sunk boats and get them working and we're like so could you fix a flooded honda generator he's like oh that'd be easy (laughs) within about 10 minutes the, the generators were working it was maybe a little longer than 10 minutes and i tell that story because it's an encouragement to my own soul why because even as your pastor my faith can be fraught sometimes, and the story of seeing God's provision and the answer to prayer built up my faith. And it's one of the greatest things I can share with you all, the stories of God's providence in our lives. As a body of believers, do we know each other well enough to hear those stories? So I would, I would challenge you, pray specific prayers remember god's provision and then share them god has moses this is probably hours of work on Moses's part with a reed in ink that's gloppy on paper that is not really good paper it's i don't know if it's probably animal skin not papyrus in lettering that is really difficult paleo hebrew is very hard to write and moses goes, why why, why am i writing this Why does God, when you read this story, want you to spend so much time hearing it twice? Because we need to hear each other's testimonies twice, I'm convinced. God's provision for you is not just God's provision for you. It's God's provision for His church. Testimonies are not just how we are saved, but how God has shepherded us and guided us. Maybe that's what everyone should do in small group this coming week. Spend your time sharing the Lord's provision and answers to prayer. Build each other up to love and good works. So he tells the story. I'm probably over time. Sorry, Barb. She scolds me. Go to verse 52. Abraham's servant heard the words. He bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. The servant brought out jewelry of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He gave her brother her... Um, and to her mother, costly ornaments. He and the men who were with him ate and drank. They spent the night there. They rose in the morning and said, Send me on my way to my master. Her brother and mother said, Let the woman remain with us at least ten days. After that, she may go. This is, it's reasonable. I mean, they're, they're about to lose her. To, to make, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful, but it's sad. But the young servant is so excited the Lord has provided so abundantly his fraught faith he was he was creating all the scenarios in which he could come back to his master and go I really tried this is what I prayed this is what I did the what if didn't work out where are we going to find a wife but his faith has been so bolstered he is just excited to be back even shirking maybe some of the cultural norms stepping on toes, and then, and then there's this beautiful thing, because in the courtship process, we have very little detail across all the courtships in the Bible. This one gives us actually probably the most second only to maybe Ruth, and in actually both of the stories in which we have the details of the courtship with, with Ruth and with Rebecca, the opinion of the woman matters, is taken into account. That biblical, beautiful marriage, even the arranged marriages, are not forced marriages. People want to make such accusations against the Bible. The Bible never is forcing women into marriage. Even, you know, the shotgun marriages of a hundred years ago, even when a young couple fools around in sin, and then it's found out and everyone goes, well, you have to get married, actually, biblically, the woman had the right to go, no. In the law, that provision is way made. The man doesn't get to say no. If he is caught, then he has to provide for her as his wife forever. He never gets out of that obligation. But if she feels like she's made a mistake with the guy she's hooked up with, she can say no to it. We miss God's love and care for women in the Bible. He is actually harsher with men with the requirements of marriage. But you see, Rebecca's opinion is taken. And she goes, Let's call the young woman, ask her. They called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. They sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant with his men. They blessed Rebekah and said to her, Oh, our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands. May your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beryl Roy, This is the southern Negev. Um, not, super, not super arid yet, kind of in the middle. He was dwelling in the Negev. Isaac went out to meditate. That word could also be translated pray. It seems It's his pattern in the evening, it seems, to go out into the evening, into the field to pray. Toward evening, he lifted up his eyes and saw, behold, there's camels coming. Rebekah lifted up his eyes when she saw Isaac. She dismounted from the camel. She said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master so she took her veil and covered herself. Servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. The cycle in the Bible of life and death and life and death, there isn't much sin that's discussed here, but there's much struggle struggles with faith but then there's also struggles with the fact that the world is cursed and people will die and that is sad one of the beauties that the this verse shows us that there is god has provided us with comfort particularly the comfort of husband and wife i want us to end very briefly by looking at ephesians 5 Ephesians 5, 31. A man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This mystery is profound. I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. What's amazing is that the the creation of marriage. It's not that God creates marriage and then He needs an illustration to explain to His people what the church's relationship to Christ is, and so He reaches for a metaphor they know. It's that God's creation and design of Christ and His redeemed people The type and shadow is the marriage. The substance is Christ and His people. So so get this. It's the very initial creation of marriage is that it is a sign that points to something. And in Genesis, this first time where we have this very long-winded story about the formation of a marriage, faith, testimony, and comfort, That God, with all of these marriages, they're meant to be arrows that point to something. You know, sometimes when, when pastors preach on marriage, there's this feeling for those that are single or not married or widowed that they are left out. But for the testimony of Christ, one of the greatest things we can pray for, whether we're married, we should pray this for other people's marriages. If we're single, how often... Are we praying for each other's marriages that they may bring glory to Christ and His bride? Because we are, we are types and shadows. That's, that's the language used for um, uh, all, the, all the things in the temple that, that point to Christ, the, the types and shadows, these central things that, that show the Israelites what God is like. And, and we're not meant to be obsessed with the sign, That's like driving out to Colorado and then getting to a sign that says Grand Canyon, 10 miles this way, and you get out and you take photos with the sign, and you talk about how wonderful is this sign, and then you drive and come home. Beloved, when we separate our thoughts, our prayers, our joy and delight in marriage, when we separate that from Christ and His church, That is essentially what we are doing. That Every time we think about marriage, why do we want happy marriages? Is it just so that we're happy? It's so that Christ might be glorified in us as types and shadows that point to Christ and His church. Let's pray.